This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We interrupt your regularly scheduled Saturday to bring you some Colorado Avalanche hockey news. The Avs finally did something after an extremely boring Friday. They said, you know what? The free agency market is lame. The way to get stuff done is to make some trades. Instead, they go out and get a deal done with Chicago. Officially, Avs trade Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm to Chicago for Brandon Saad and Dennis Gilbert, as well as Chicago retaining a million dollars of Saad's salary. AJ, right off the bat, feels like a damn good trade for the Avs. We were, just think back... Not so long ago, when we were trying to figure out what the value of Nikita Zadorov was on the market, we were thinking maybe a second and a fourth. Yep. Maybe just a second, you know, on draft day. On the second day of the draft, we were going to wake up and he was going to be an Ottawa senator or something for, for, a, for a draft pick, Some right? kind of futures, not a yeah. ton of immediate value there. <laughs> and instead, what they did is they managed to get... From a division rival, a top six forward who admittedly the Blackhawks don't really like need. Yeah. Um a young defender in Dennis Gilbert who we'll get into, and then they retained a million dollars on Sod's contract. And all they got in return was Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm. And Zadorov immediately signed his qualifying offer at 3.2 million. So this is a lot to take in. Uh, I was in the middle of playing video games and just hanging out. Yeah. Hanging out, watching some animal planet. That tweet comes across my feed and it's like, okay, it's go time. But let's start with what the Avs got in this trade. We'll, we'll cover what they lost in Zadorov as well, but I want to start with what the Avs are bringing in. And Brandon Saad, he's a 27-year-old winger who has a history of 50-point seasons, at very least in more recent history, more 45-ish point pace. But being put back in the top six for the Avs, there's an expectation that he can be that 50-point type guy again. He has one year left on his current contract at what is $6 million AAV, but with Chicago retaining a million, it's only going to cost the Avs $5 million against the cap. And it's not a YOLO all out Taylor Hall move, but it's also a significant improvement to their top six. So let's talk about the Taylor Hall thing. Um, yeah. because first of all, it's over. Yeah. There's no this way is, the, this is the end of that now. Room. Yep. Um, the other thing is, is that with Taylor Hall, does, does, does would Taylor Hall on a one year deal, would they have been better off doing that? Like, would that have given them a better chance at winning the Stanley cup this year? Definitely. Yep. But there was also a 0% chance that Taylor Hall was going to stay beyond the one year. Right. Or if it was a two-year contract, the, the second year. There's he no was, way he would have been. The whole point of that deal was that he was 100% leaving at the end of it. Yep. And now, 
they have a guy that they could reasonably they could reasonably be bringing back. No, Brandon Saad is not a third line center. No, Brandon Saad is a second line winger. Yeah, he is a second line winger who is very comparable to a guy like Landeskog. He drives the hell out of play, and up until Jeremy Colleton took over, was a really good defensive winger. I'm Jared really curious to see the season. Yeah, and so I see some people who are like, "Uh, his points." If you look at his points, he was on pace for a 50 point for right just under a 50 point year this last season. Had he played a full 82, had the season not been shortened and he not gotten hurt for a couple of those games, he was also on pace for a 30 goal season. So you extrapolate the numbers he did produce, and you're not having a conversation about his points the last couple of years. He's been a reliable 40 to 50 point guy with 20 with 20 plus goals seven out of the eight years of his career that he's been a regular. I I think the other side of this and something you have to consider with Saad is he has a history of being a very strong player when you provide talent around him. Right. Uh, his one down year in the past six years is when he returned to Chicago and Chicago was essentially starting to fall off the cliff at that point. That was that was the year where Patrick Kane led the Blackhawks in scoring with 76 points. Yep. Um, and then they had Debrincat, Schmaltz, Taves, all at 52. Yep. And then Saad at 35. It's also it's worth noting that that's the only year in Brandon Saad's career in which he shot under 10%. Yep. He shot 7.6% that year and only scored 18 goals. Only. Only. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is a guy that he sod sod finishes quote unquote finishes the top six. Yep, I I agree. I think you brought up the defensive side of his game too, which isn't something we've talked a ton about about going out and getting a guy with defensive prowess on the wing. But you add another defensive winger, and all of a sudden putting Landy on the second line and moving Saad up to be the defensive guy on the first line is super easy to do. That's something they could do. And now if you wanted to put Saad on the left side, uh, you could, you could, okay. So a couple of different options here, since we're going to roster bait a ton yep. on this one. Yep. 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 An option here. You put, you put Saad next to McKinnon and Ranton in, and he becomes, he does the heavy lifting, heavy defensive lifting that Landis Cog has been doing. Fine. That's cool. You just leave Landy B. Yep. On that top line, he goes down and plays next to Kadri and Burakovsky. You have three guys who you expect to score 20 goals for you. Three guys who have a l- strong history of driving play and scoring goals. It's going to be one of the league's better second lines. Yep. Toronto's still hanging around. I won't say the best, but it'll be damn good. Okay. And then if you wanted to, you could put Burakovsky on the left side next to McKinnon. And run the full-on defense and, and rant it in. Yeah. Exactly. And then run the full-on, oh my God, do we seriously have to deal with this? Landis Gog, Kadri, Saad. Yep. Which is very good defensively and still has three guys on it who are going to score 20 goals every year. Sick. So sick. Those are those are three different iterations of this top six that you can make work. Uh he's significantly better than Jonas Donskoy. And that puts their that that's kind of locks in a third line of sort of ish Nachushkin, Comfort, Donskoy with Calvert, Belmar, and then Martin Kaut. They're gonna need Martin Kaut's ELC. So uh, Martin Kaut 
uh, on an ELC somewhere in there, assuming that they don't go out and add somebody else, which we will get into later. Yeah. But that's that's where this that's where this immediately uh, and obviously Jost somewhere in there. I'm I always forget about him when I do this, but he's unsigned, so I haven't thought about him as I'm, much. But, I, without getting too far into it, there's a possibility that the Evs aren't done. They could still move a forward out, but. Well, and you could say they they still need they still need a like traditional defensive third center if they wanted one, sure. Or they can go out now. There's there's kind of a hole on their defense. Um, you can either say Byram or Timmons, or you can go out and you can try and get a veteran defender, PK guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those things that we still talked about. I think the expectation right now for us, at least, is Byram, but that's this, yeah different conversation for a different day. Sticking with the sod side of things here, the Avs have solidified their top six, and what they are going to do with this from here is my question. One year left on sod, he's an unrestricted free agent. Is this an all-in push, or is there something more to the Avs and sod? Are, do they want sod for the rest of McKinnon's contract? Do they want Saad for a second year? Or is this a one and done thing? So they can, uh, I haven't actually done, I want to do this for we went live, but I forgot. That's you can, um, you can do it right now. I got, I got you over so here right, on app friendly calculating some numbers, right? Right now they've got 33.6 million in cap space next year. Colorado does. Yep. That's, no contract for Landeskog, no contract for Saad, no contract for Calvert, no contract for Bel- Belmar, no contract for Cole, no contract for Makar, and no contract for Grubauer. So there's obviously a lot of holes that would need to be filled. But you do the two, do the big two. Yep. Landeskog and Makar. I would say just pencil that in for $17 million just to be safe. Sure. Okay. Seven, that's seventeen million, and then that gives you—I don't know—I can't do math. That gives you sixteen million left. Yep, sixteen million left to sign if you wanted to, uh, in, either Ian Cole or an Ian Cole replacement, uh, Matt Calvert, Matt Calvert replacement, Belmar, Belmar replacement. You're probably you're probably realistically looking at Shane Bowers and Martin Cow just yep. blah. To boom. Expectation cheap drop those, those ELCs in there, maybe even an Alex Newhook. Just drop them in there and you're good, right? And then on the back end, um, you get McCarr signed, you can easily replace whatever the Graves contract ends up being. Uh, we'll we'll eat into that, and the Jost contract will also eat into some of that that 16 million. So let's say that's eleven million. You put two, put a, put a couple of ELCs on the roster, and you're down to about seven million. You could, uh, it, depending on depending on what, de- depending on what you want to give Sod, you can you can you can bring him back. If he wants more than seven million, he's going to have a really hard time finding it because, as we're seeing in this in the salary cap, flat cap market, all of that, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, and if they wanted to keep him, uh, they definitely could do that. But they, they also could protect him in expansion pretty easily. And I, then, I, and yeah. then you have your goalie conversation somewhere has to. Where? What, what do you do with the goalie? Sure, sure. 
that also has to play into it. So they could they could definitely bring him back. Um, they they would be wise. I mean, this is why we would continue to talk about moving out Jost and why the two million or whatever like could end up meaning a lot at some point. Yeah, like why that would be something that if they wanted to move it out. Um, that that could help them down the road. So uh, let's take a step back here. I but also, um, we're not counting all that that cap room in there. Sorry, just last thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, they'll lose somebody in in expansion. So right. if they lose Comfort, they lose Donskoy. There's that's there's three and a half, three, four yeah, million. Yeah. You know, they um, lose Francois. That's two million. It's less helpful, but still money. You know, and then you would need a backup, which you know at that point you're really hoping it's freaking Adam Warner or Andy, especially and with honestly. those pads. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, those pads are so sick! But I know, right? Uh, I do want to take a step back because we also have to look at this year's cap a little bit. Where the Amps stand right now, they still have to sign Jost, they still have to sign Graves, and they have roughly ten million dollars in cap space. Technically, a little bit under ten million. Um, the expectation, I, I don't see Jost and Graves at most costing more than like five million dollars combined. Okay. So if we call it 5 million, that takes the abs down to just under 5 million in space. So as it stands right now today, they can sign their guys, be done essentially. You add a Byram's contract and Couch contract on there. Maybe it drops them down to four and a half, four, three million, somewhere in there. Should be totally fine. They can do that. Don't have to worry even about McCarr's bonus structure. They'll be under the cap pretty easily which is great. But then the question arises, you have another three, four, five million to play with here. Vladimir Mesnikov, is he, if he's willing to take two and a half million, Matt Nieto, if he's willing to take a cheaper deal, is this something they look into? Uh, I mean, as, as the market continues to play itself out, sure. Yeah. You know, because if you're, if you're looking at Tyson Jost at 2.2 million and, Nemestikov will take a 2.5 million because he can't find a job somewhere else. It's a pretty easy decision, right? Yep. Not hard for me. I'd bring him back on a cheap deal. This is this is getting to the point where I wonder if Joe's just doesn't have a spot anymore. Or if they just he just takes his qualifying offer. On the super cheap side. Yeah, because if they're not willing to offer him because they're like, look, we don't even know if you're in our starting lineup. Right. So this is our QO, take it or leave it. Like there are comparables out there that say he should absolutely be getting two million or whatever. be getting a two million dollar contract or something. Yeah. But if they're, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't. They're in a weird spot with him. Yep, it is a weird spot. Uh, the other side of this conversation, on the defensive side, again, we expect Byram to potentially fill that sixth defensive yep. spot. But this is more confirmation that they are going to at least give him that look, which we fully have expected. Yeah. The nine-game trial. Let's not forget the Avs also got Dennis Gilbert in this trade, who played 21 <laughs> games in the NHL for Chicago last year. He's a six foot two, 250-pound D. So for those of you feeling the loss of size in Zadorov a little bit, Gilbert certainly ain't small. Is he legitimately an NHLer at this point? I think that's the question. Yeah, right now, I mean, at at 23, um, you know. I think that they're just trying to repeat the trick that they pulled with Ryan Graves. Yeah. I Graves was a touch older 
but it definitely and look the way you can or at least the way that i kind of look at this trade is you say all right the avs gave up zadorov for sod and then they kind of swapped anton lindholm for dennis gilbert yeah uh anton lindholm was what he was uh, a defensive first defenseman that was at best an nhl tweener and they got to essentially reload off of him and take another shot on a guy that maybe they liked his size better maybe they liked the defensive side of his game better and the question here is, can he less of a top six D for the Avs, but can he be their seventh D? Yeah, and this is where if they are, if they are trying to, <laughs> if they're trying to rotate Byram into a lineup or Timmons into a lineup, um, this is where having a guy like Gilbert, you know, that's another body that you can put in there. the The problem here is that. Gilbert only has 21 games. Like this isn't like a proven guy. It, this, he, is, this is a guy who's had a cup of coffee that they're hoping just works out for them. Well, it's not only that he's unproven. You look at his professional statistics and even his, his NCAA statistics. This is not a guy who's going to give you a lot of offense. No, he's not going to do anything with the puck, which is why I wonder a little bit if this makes sense for a seventh D for the abs, we talked time and time again about Connaughton when he was in and, and Barbario, when he was around what the abs are looking for in a seventh D is someone that they can play and consistently know what they're going to get out of them. And if they can yeah. get some consistency out of this kid on the defensive side of the puck, that's an easy to rotate in seventh D. Yeah, it really is. And like you also, you also look at, at, at him and, you know, 21 games, he had 38 penalty minutes. Uh, I would like to go back and see how many of those were minors, but that's not super encouraging. 74 hits, though, in 21 games. Yep. Got a little physical side there. <laughs> that's. <clears throat> that's, a, that's a guy that likes to throw the body. Yep. So. A potential something on the defensive side, and and let's remember this year particularly, you have Byram and Timmons, and that's it. They have they had no other defensive prospects in professional hockey in North America. So, unless you still counted Anton Lindholm as a prospect, which I didn't. I don't know if I count yeah. Gilbert either, but I don't think he's a prospect. But depending on what else they do, he could also be. He could just as easily be an AHL guy for them. Yeah, sure, whatever. A Colorado Eagle. Yep. And he plays the exact same kind of game as Anton Lindholm. He's just a bigger version. And yeah. because of that, I would hope one who doesn't have shoulder injuries every 12 games. You would uh you would hope as much. Um the other side to this for the Avs is the one million retained in Sod's deal. That just helps them this year. Yep. That just helps them get under that cap and whatever. Gives them a little bit more flexibility for sure. Yeah. Yep. So I <sighs> I think this deal is certainly a win for Colorado, but let's look at the other side of it here. Avs giving up Nikita Zadorov, obviously a name that's been in the trade market forever. He stays in division with Chicago. Is there a big worry about that or it is what it is? It is what it is. All right. I can live with that. Um I think it's pretty clear that Chicago has been pretty desperate for D for a while now. So this is kind of why it made sense on their side of things. Yeah. And Z did sign his qualifying offer 
uh, immediately with Chicago for a one-year deal. Yeah, I don't – I just – I'm just not uh, – I'm just not that worried about all these – all this – oh, I hate having to go up against Nikita Zadorov. Okay. For me, I mean, I'm kind of looking forward to Nathan McKinnon getting what he yeah. wants. That dude can hit people, but uh, if you're going to remember the whole when he makes mistakes with the puck on the defensive side. Yeah, do you remember some of, those, on that. <laughs> some of those grenades that he's thrown? Do you remember some of the turnovers? Do you remember him doing nothing in front of the net and just spinning around randomly until the puck has already gone by him and then he reaches for his guy while that guy's celebrating the goal? Like, do we not do we not remember all of those things? You just think about him killing Mark Shifley. Like, that was a great memory, but <laughs> I'm at this point, like Nikita Zadorov, he has great size, great physical ability. Uh, he's got great feet. He's he he's got a great shot. All of that is why he was taken in the middle of the first round, is that he's a tantalizing prospect. Yep. The problem is, is that he just he just never Got put it all together. Yep, he never consistently put all the tools together. Had he done that, he would have been a dominant defenseman, and we would not be having this conversation right now. He wouldn't have had issues not getting benched. He wouldn't have had he wouldn't have had any issues at all. He would he would probably have a long term deal like Sam Gerrard does. But Z was just Z's just he was too inconsistent. And and this is where I think the Avs found a good deal in Chicago is because they're so desperate for D that they don't they're willing to overlook some of that inconsistency to try and take a, a high upside ish type guy. Yeah, I get it. He's a little bit older. There might not be that much upside left in him, but they know there's talent there. Either way, well, I mean, maybe maybe that they're they're trying to get the old magic pixie fairy dust out of the veterans and have Duncan Keith or Brent Seabrook get in his ear. And all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and Zadorov knows how to play in the NHL after 400 games. Like, you know, maybe, but I am just not like, and no offense to Zadorov. Like we're kind of bagging on him here, but he was, he was a, a fun presence in the locker room, and when he was on, he was a lot of fun to watch. Let's not make a mistake about it. Nikita Zadorov is an NHL defenseman. He would be in any top six in the league, pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. So so it's not like the Avs gave up nothing here, but he might not be the super solid, locked-in top four guy that some people seem to think he is. Yeah, he never really locked that job down, and that was, I think, when we saw... I mean, Graves just straight up took that job from him this last year. I think that that was obvious. And it wasn't that Graves was just so good. It was that Graves was consistent. And when you're a head coach, you want to, you know, when you're trying to throw out these defenders and go do this, go do that, you know, you're, you want the guy that you have confidence is going to give you something that you want on that shift and not throwing him out there going, all right, well, and, Who the hell knows what we're about to get? And the Avs know Brandon Saad is going to give them a lot of what they want. On yeah, and night. you know, and this is this is the other conversation is that they're you know people people love the championship experience conversation, 
He was yep. a big part of, of two of their cup runs. Yep. So, you know, like he's he's at least been through he's been through the rigors. He gets it. He understands he understands what it's like to play in a place that has championship expectations. Like he also has the Columbus connection, so the Avs get to check that box. Right. Well. They, get to, they get to check that as well. That's all great. Um <laughs> Oh, this this ends the Taylor Hall thing to Colorado. This should that all that's is, the end. They don't have the money for that anymore. Yeah. So all this all this oh go get them both or whatever. I mean, if you guys are if you guys are being serious, it's not it's not realistic. You'd have to move out significantly more pieces to make room for Hall. So good luck with that. But the Avs have made themselves a significantly better team with this move. I do believe that, and. That's great. We'll see what they have with Gilbert. I found a fun little clip here. Uh, Gilbert actually did fight Landeskog in the season last year. Yeah. So, if you're looking for a little bit of grit, a lot of people with how small the Avs are, how small they play, here's Gilbert. You might want him to get into the Avs lineup if you're looking for that. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So I'm excited. I think it's a great deal for the Avs. I think the Avs got more or less exactly what they wanted in Saad. Anything Gilbert brings is pretty much a bonus. Yeah. I mean, if they get an NHL player out of Gilbert, then they've done, they've done just fine. Yep. So that's, that's dope. Um, But if Saad, I mean, Saad, Saad should be an easy, 25 to 30 goal guy for them. I I think he's slam dunk for 50 point. Well, it's going to be a shortened season. So, you know, temper that, but yeah, that's, I guess that's true. It's going to, I say that and it's like, Oh, he's going to score 14 goals, but they're only going to play right. 40. Games. Right. Assuming an 82 game season should be a slam dunk, 50 point guy, 20, 20 goals, which is kind of why I was interested in the conversation of could the Avs extend him, but yeah. You cross that bridge when you get there. Right now, Saad is a... If, well, I mean, to be honest, if you, you ask him today, hey, would you be willing to extend right now? Yeah. And, you know, he has every reason to say, no, I want to see how this works out. So do the apps. Yep. I want to see how this fit is first. But uh, if he's if he's willing to do like a five-year deal right around the same price tag that he's at right now, I think there's at least a temptation. A couple other things since we happen to be live. Burkowski signed to a two-year, $4.9 million deal. Got to feel pretty fine with that. Given how yeah, the free agency me. has played out, a bridge isn't surprising. They kept it under five mil. Sure. We talked about all different lengths and different yep. price tags, and it kind of fit in right into the middle of where you and I had him. Because I had yep. him at 4.5, you had him at 5.5, five, he ends up at 4.9. Four. So call it good there. Uh, yeah. Val Nachushkin, two and a half mil. At two years, we you're were pretty much on the money with that. Yep, pretty much expected that that cost point. Uh, the second year, Labs have faith that he can repeat what he did this season, basically. And and like, look, if the bottom falls out, he's either a super cheap buyout candidate, or you you can find Dump someone to whatever. Yeah, yeah, he becomes the you attach a third round pick and you trade him to Seattle, and they're such an analytics organization, they might like his defense anyway. Yep, you know what? Whatever, right? Like, yeah, this is, I do, I do want to say though, that the, uh, um, the conversations about, oh, well now the abs need that physical presence that 
what good did it do him against Dallas? Yeah, I I don't think I agree that they need any more physical presence, but some people feel that way. I, I think it's pretty clear that the Avs don't as much, given that they just went out and got Saad to add to their, their top six. I think the analytical side of the Avalanche organization has very much pushed a strong defensive ability does not necessarily mean physicality. We've seen this already with a signing like Valachushkin. Good defense creates offense, and good defense doesn't mean blowing dudes up. So, yep. yeah, Saad isn't small. It's not, he's not like a super physical player, but he's really effective. Right. And he's, he, again, he's, he was a really good defender before Jeremy Colleton showed up. And then all of his, <laughs> they didn't, they didn't, it's, like, it's not like the bottom fell out of him. And it's like, oh my God, he's bad now. It's, it's just that they, they, they stepped off pretty significantly. Uh, an interesting little uh, little point here at five on five. The last couple of years, Brandon Sod's uh, individual points production percentage, meaning how many points on the ice he's involved with, last year was seventy seven percent of points scored when Chicago when he was on the ice he was involved in. The past couple of years, sixty six, sixty five. In Columbus, it was seventy four and eighty one. So this dude is running offenses when he is out there on the ice. Yeah, do you want me to send you a? Yeah, if you have the uh, the charts, send them over, and we can we can throw them up. Yeah, um, I do have them because obviously I was in the process of writing the article when yeah. <laughs> we went live. Yep, it's the way it goes when they drop a trade on you in the middle of the day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so- keep in mind. Um, keep like actually, you know what? Let me just do this as well, just for just for comparison's sake. Sure. Uh, we'll start with this one since I have it. Here's Sod versus Landeskog. Um, pretty, pretty promising stuff across everything. Very, very positive player. The only thing he struggled with a little bit was shots against. And he, look, he's still a forward. He was playing on a Chicago team whose defense was the most suspect thing in the world. So, yep. It, there's a little bit of context there, but it looks extremely good. Uh, here we have Sod's isolated summary. Let's see if I can bring this up next to Landis Goggs. I should be able to. Uh, give me one second here. Get it all sorted out. Ooh, that is the wrong thing. We're, we're, we're trying to do live live action here. Sod open. Put it over here. Landy's there. There we go. All right. Okay. So when you're looking at these, you see the big difference is that Landeskog is still an elite defensive wing. Yep. Sod is right around league average. Yep. Just a just a little a little bit worse than league average, but fine, right? But when it comes to driving offense. He drives the hell out of some offense. Plus 14 there. Yeah. That's elite play driving. Yep. Like truly. And that's, again, that's you, a little bit of context. Like that's on a, that's on a team that sells out not, for offense. Did not have a lot of help defensively Ex- either. Except if you look at Saad's career numbers, you'll see that that plus 14% him driving 
is consistent and we can bring that up. I yeah. Him here. driving all kinds of, of play on offense. It's just, it's just what he does. There's a reason that this guy's an analytics darling. So here's his across his career. You can see on the off. Wow. That is very large. That's um, what she said. <laughs> there you go. You can see throughout his, of, his that, entire career. Yeah, outside of his rookie year there. Plus seven, plus 12, plus seven, plus 12, plus 20. Uh, very, very consistently driving a ton of play and nothing unusual on the defensive side. They're the one really strong year in, in 16, 17 over in Columbus, but it keeps it under control in the defensive side. Right. It never gets away from him defensively. And that's the thing. And you see, I'm really curious to see in Colorado in maybe more of a defensive role, kind of what it looks like when he gets away from the, from the fire wagon hockey. Like, yep. I want to, I want to know, like, cause you see, these are, these are, these are on ice results. So this is data. This is what, this is what he has produced. And those numbers offensively are incredibly impressive. Uh, another side to this, he did play a, a significant amount of penalty kill for Chicago as well. So if the Avs are looking to round out some penalty kill spots, yes, we've called for Nachushkin to be used there, but the Avs haven't. If they're losing Nieto, you can drop a Brandon Sod in there potentially. <clears throat> so, yep. It, uh, not only is this an addition to the Avs top six, it's a versatile player that the Avs can use in a lot of ways. Yeah, he is that we went we were we already went over that. Um that would be fine. Yep. So um, it's honestly we a week ago we were just trying to figure out what Zadorov's price tag was and for a year of Brandon Sod that's a good deal. Yeah. I'm good. Uh, I'll take that over a second round pick. And hey, if if he if he leaves and that's and all they get out of this deal is Dennis Gilbert, kind of a bummer. But they also didn't give up anything they were going to legitimately miss. Yep. A because they moving they're, out anyway. they're in the process. They're in the process of already trying to find spots for Byram and Timmons to roll in here. Now you add Justin Bear into that conversation in a couple of years. Yep. So this is fine. Yep. I, yeah. Yeah. Sod is a two way. Sod is definitely a two way forward. Yep. Uh, expectation is Saad will play in the PP. That's something I imagine they solidify in camp and just run, run units that make sense. But <laughs> These guys are all talking about Phil to know it's not going to happen. No, don't see that happening. Um, the Avs, this is the Avs big move, right? Yep. There might be one or two smaller moves left to be made or, or, or whatever, but Right now, the Avs are going to solidify. You imagine they get the Joe Steele done at some point. We'll see with Graves. He's elected for arbitration, but that happens starting October 20th. So that'll be done relatively quickly as well. Yeah. No. How how would they get Sergachev out of Tampa Bay? Don't don't feed the trolls. You know that's not serious. Come on now. <laughs> Fair um, enough. It's the Avs, I think, have made a very solid move here. And yeah, I don't think that this is like a grand slam or anything. It's they're better it, today. They're better now, though. They're better than they were yesterday. And yesterday they were one goal away from a conference finals. So 
Yeah, with a third goaltender in that. Yep. So I'm just saying, uh I think that uh I think that this is kind of similar to I think this is kind of similar to last year with the Barry Cadre deal. Yeah. Because they, they deal from a position of strength. They they get rid of Barry, they replace him internally with Makar. They're gonna get rid of Zadora. Can you bang, can you time out Cole? Yes, absolutely. Do that, please. Time. Um, <laughs> finally, some power over this. <laughs> um, they get a they they deal from a position of strength. They deal the door off. They replace them with Byram. They add Kadri. They add Sod. It's how you it's how you balance the roster. The abs, the abs are so good at filling a need. That isn't a super need for them, right? It's like they say, look, yeah, we want a 2C last year. This year, yeah, we want another top six forward, but we don't need it. Meanwhile, on the other side of these trades, you have Toronto and Chicago saying, oh, we really need defensemen. And they're willing to pay the premium for it. Yeah. So Sackick, I think, has continued to impress with these types of moves. Yeah, I think this is um this is a fair move. Like if obviously if Saad was twenty three years old and they had him under control and he was in his prime for the next six years or whatever, we'd be you know this this would be it, it, had they traded Zadora for Jake DeBrusque, is yeah. what I'm saying. Like this yeah. would have been a oh my god. Instead, this is this is rock solid, and you're not also just turning it over to a younger player. You're turning it over to a vet who has a lot of experience that you care about that you like experienced and we'll see if he stays for more than one year or not but that door isn't shut to say right the least. well that's to be determined i mean maybe it's maybe it maybe it's a poor fit and you yeah, know we don't even I, we don't even want him in a year you know it could be it could go that way i don't think it will i think it's a very good fit for the abs but yeah it's a and this is a guy that that when he was first traded to columbus one of the reasons that he was traded was because they didn't have any money. Yeah. And he was going to get offer sheeted. And one of the teams that was considering it was Colorado. So uh, they've another, been after this dude for another a long factor time. there. They always get their man, but yeah. <laughs> so bad. Don't expect a ton else out of the apps. Yeah. At this point, uh, the only thing, the only thing is, that I would keep an eye out for is, um, Maybe a depth defenseman um, with, you know, that that PKs and does all that. Maybe on the off chance, maybe a Nieto or a Nemestikov circles back around if they can't. If, you know, two weeks have gone by, they still don't have a job and they're willing to come back to Colorado for a million five. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. I think that's exactly right. It took them more than a day after free agency opened, but they finally gave us a deal. Uh, Travis Hamannick, I do not think is happening in a million. Yeah, and Hamannick's fallen off the way. I mean, he's not been good for a long yeah. time. <laughs> Flurry, I will say, Flurry might become interesting because of what Vegas is going to have to attach to get a team to take him. But Colorado didn't have the space for that yeah. shit anymore. It'd have to be something going back money wise, and Vegas doesn't want that. So, or or major retention or whatever. Yeah, sure. So same diff. Um. So yeah. That's that's where the abs sit. This was the emergency pod that we were hoping to do this weekend. Uh, yeah. If something does happen, we'll have another one. But I don't don't count on it. Um, 
yeah, you know the drill. DNVR podcast, DNVR abs. We got you covered on everything that the abs will be doing this off season. Um, I'm sure you can expect AJ's article to be up here in a minute if you want to read about it. Uh, and we have a bunch more stuff planned for next week. So keep it locked in. Hope y'all enjoyed this move as much as we did. But we're going to get out of here for the evening. Hope y'all have a good rest of your weekend.